Welcome to Crosspoint Community Church. We meet every Sunday exploring the practical, transforming, and relevant teaching of the Bible by doing life together. Visit our website at crosspointonline.org to learn more. Now, get ready for a powerful message from God's Word. We're going to continue a series, and we're going to jump right in this morning. We're going to continue in this series uh, where uh, there's been this very timely and practical advice that uh, God's Word has brought to us. And, uh, <clears throat> and today we are continuing in chapter 5, uh, where uh, James is talking to us. Now, remember last week, if you weren't with us, uh, uh, you should have been, uh, uh, but we do forgive you for that. Uh, but he was talking about, you know, this whole aspect of being rich and rich oppressors. And last week, we all confessed together uh, by saying aloud, I am rich. So, so we were acknowledging last week that we are rich as the Bible defines that. Because we got, if, if we're on this technology, then obviously we are rich. Um, <clears throat> so this, this week... Uh, we are confessing, a lot of us are confessing, I am sick. <laughs> there's a, a, you know, there's, the sickness continues to go around and, and it may not be COVID, but it may be some other stuff. So there's a lot of you that are saying, well, not only am I rich, but I'm sick. And then for those that aren't sick, you're saying, well, I'm tired. Well, I'm tired. Well, all of us uh, have come to the place in our life where we know what it feels like to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. And uh, so, uh, you know, no wonder, no wonder there's the weariness and the sickness. I mean, what a year had is, that, that this has been. You know, we've just celebrated one year of this uh, coronavirus uh, just wrecking havoc here in the United States. And uh, uh, all of the repercussion from that, how it's affected uh, just our lifestyles, how it's affected our economy, how it's affected politics, how it's affected our relationships, uh, and um, just our exposure to one another. Uh, what a year. But not only, not only have we had to deal with COVID, but we've had to deal with all the racial tensions that have continued to grow, the political uh, divisions that continue to grow so much. Uh, is going on. And unless we've had our heads stuck in the sand, uh, we would have to say, if we're honest, man, whew, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of all this stuff. Uh, <clears throat> but the good news is, is that God has something to say afresh and anew to me and you today. Uh, he wants to encourage you and me through his word. Uh, he wants to exhort us uh, to, to continue to seek after him with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our mind. Uh, and maybe for some of you, it's not continue. Maybe it's to start seeking after him. And, and as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, and specifically, I want to talk to the Crosspoint family. You know, God is exhorting us to, to continue to persevere to continue to endure in a way that will bring him glory. But not only will it bring him glory, but it's going to bring uh, encouragement and sanctification uh, to you as well. So as we think about all of this sickness and we think about the problems 
<clears throat> that we uh, <clears throat> that we have, sometimes it's it's easy for us to grow a little bit impatient. And part of that is because we've been conditioned by our culture, and specifically we've been conditioned by media uh, to be to be impatient. Because all we have to do is turn on the TV and you will have these world-class problems that are conceived and then solved in less than one hour. Just, you know, and, it's, and then all of a sudden we begin to just absorb some of that expectation in our life uh, and become weary in waiting and uh, become impatient in, in, in our lifestyles and, and our fellowship of Jesus Christ. So the, the question that we're going to see that, that James is answering for us today through the holy inspired word of God is how is it that we develop the patience to persevere and to endure in a way that will bring glory to God and that will bring encouragement to us? Any takers on this? Anybody, anybody willing to kind of get a word from God today as far as how we can endure for his glory and for our betterment. All right, so here we go. James chapter five, grab your Bibles and look at me, uh, look at it with me. We're going to read verses seven through 11. And here we're talking about real faith, real faith for rough times. James chapter five, verse seven, be patient then brothers until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains? You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. All right, with God's word fresh on our minds and hearts, let's go to him in prayer. Father God, we just come to you today and we just thank you for... Um, just the the blessing and the privilege that we have of meeting together to to pause in the midst of of our lives to to acknowledge that God you are always at your work and that you call us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Thank you for this means of doing that, uh, either through Zoom or Facebook today. Lord, we long to all be in person again, but today we receive your grace and uh, your um, uh, empowerment just to uh, embrace this moment and to allow you to do in us that which would bring you glory and um, would do us good. And we make this our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, God's got something to say to us as impatient people. Uh, he's got an encouragement for us today. He, he is uh, drawing us to uh, a place to where we understand the need to persevere, to endure, and, and what it really looks like. So here's five 
truths. Here's five biblical truths that we can really dig from this particular passage to help us uh, as we're facing, you know, uh, problems and struggles and difficulties in this world, sickness, our financial hardship, our our uh, struggles within our relationship, whatever it may be, whatever pain or suffering that we may be uh, experiencing, he's saying, remember these things, Re- embrace these truths as you are going through difficult times, as you're going through rough times. This is what real faith does. Number one, real faith remembers this, that suffering won't last. Suffering won't last. Three times in this particular passage in verses 7 through 11, he talks about and reminds us that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Uh, And he is stating there that, therefore, as he was talking to uh, his listeners there in James, listen, this life is not all there is. We need to live with the reality that we are living in the land of the dying and God is calling us to the land of the living. This life is not all there is. And so when when we are living arrogant, self-reliant lives, we put too much stock in this life. Uh, We get impatient. We we go crazy whenever uh, there's problems or difficulties or hurts or hangups come into our life. But God is saying, wait a minute, I didn't create you uh, just for this life. I created you for eternity. And you need to understand and remind yourself that suffering won't last. Get it out of your mind that that a problem can come and maybe be resolved in in less than an hour. Uh, That's the fake world. (laughs) That's not not the real world. Uh, In in, in Revelations chapter 21, verse 4, Jesus reminds us that there's coming a day that there will be no more tears, no more pains, no more suffering uh, whenever we come into his presence. So suffering won't last. Um, you know, in the midst of suffering, that's a difficult time. That's the reason he encourages like, to, to come back and get, get his perspective. Go all the way back to James chapter 3 and even James chapter 1. And he is saying here, that we're either going to live by worldly wisdom or we're going to live by godly wisdom. <clears throat> and if we're living by worldly wisdom, uh, uh, we, we lose perspective of what we're really here for in the first place. And it becomes all about me and God serving me. How many people have given up on God because something difficult came in their life? And he's saying, well, that's not real faith. Real faith lasts. Uh, faith that falters before the finish was faulty from the first. So that's the reason it's so important and why it's been such a gift to us to, to, to be in this study, to examine ourselves, to, to get honest with ourselves and ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts to see where we are. Because if we continually to get turned upside down, if we continue to get bitter and resentful and angry at, when things don't go our way, then we're living by worldly wisdom. We're not living with godly wisdom. First thing we do when we're experiencing difficulty or sickness or suffering or oppression or injustice is remember that suffering won't last. That's what he tells us in this particular passage in verse seven and eight. Second thing, second thing 
Injustice will not stand. We need to remind ourselves that injustice will not stand. Um, now, in, in this, uh, because there is evil in the world, Jesus said in, Jane, in, in John 16, 33, uh, in, in, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Uh, the, Jesus was unjustly executed, but God didn't waste that, did he? Matter of fact, God had a divine purpose for that. Uh, there will be injustices that we experience. And we in America, specific, we demand our rights. But God's saying, listen, injustice will not stand. Uh, in, in this particular passage, in the first few uh, verses of chapter 5, he was talking about the rich oppressors. And most of them were not believers, but there were some who were immature believers. And they were oppressing. They were being unjust in their dealings with people. And so in this particular uh, aspect, he is not saying, and, and, the, and, and the message from this is, you know, hey, okay, because, you know, God's saying there will always be injustice as long as we're on this fallen earth, then we just kind of throw up our hands and, and we don't do anything. That's not what he's saying at all. Matter of fact, throughout scripture, we are, are exhorted and we are encouraged uh, to be about what it is that God's doing uh, in, in our life. Uh, take this uh, Isaiah chapter seven, uh, chapter one, verse 17. Listen what he says. He said, stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widows. So he is saying that we should, we should fight for justice. He said we should stand up for justice. But we need to be reminded that, that no matter how faithful we are, uh, that because we're living in this broken world uh, under the influence of Satan himself, that, that there will continue to be injustices. Uh, but he calls us to work for justice of all, not just believers, but justice for all. Proverbs 31 verse 8 says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. And this is, this is practically some of the stuff that we're doing as far as the ministry partnerships that we have uh, is because God has called me and you as his children, as his church, uh, to stand up for justice, to hear from him, and to work for justice for all. And so that comes in all shapes and sizes. Now, the reality is that injustice is here. We all know this because of uh, the sin, sick world that we live in. There's evil in the world. But what God is, I think, wants to remind us, especially in this day and time, when we have this tendency to see people, uh, you know, uh, on the other side that are, are opposed to us or that think differently, we, we think of people, there's evil people and there's good people. Those are the evil people. Those are the good people. And uh, we, you know, if we could just get all the evil people and just kind of, boop, you know, do something about all them, then we'll be all right. But that's not what God, that's not, that's not the truth of God's word. There are people who do evil. But the problem is, is there's evil, there's evil that is presented to each of us and is within us. Uh, even Paul talks about that. So he wants us to get away from this world thing, from this false wisdom and embrace godly wisdom and realize that every individual 
matters to God. No, no matter if they're doing the evil things, no matter what their uh, positions may be. Uh, and so uh, God's calling us to, to, um, to grow up, to grow up. And James talks about this uh, throughout his particular book. And, and this is one of the reasons why uh, being a disciple and discipleships, it is so essential. We need to grow up. We need to grow in the grace and knowledge of God. We need to know him. Uh, and, and, and that's the reason we have Bible studies. That's the reason we have groups. That's the reason we have, you know, our classes, you know, to give us the tools uh, to be able to grow as followers of Jesus Christ. Because here's the deal. There is nothing more dangerous. Listen to this statement. There's nothing more dangerous in this world than an immature carnal Christian. Wow. Nothing more dangerous in this world than an immature carnal Christian. You go, wow, that's a pretty powerful statement right here. But uh, an immature Christian uh, is used often as a pawn in the hands of Satan himself. Uh, and, and the reason that this is true is because those of us who wrongly understand we don't know the truth of God. We don't know the word of God. We're not experiencing the, uh, uh, the, the, the grace of God. For those of us who wrongly understand and follow God, we're one of the greatest sources of human suffering in the history of the world. That's the reason a lot of people point and go, well, look, religion has done so much evil, so much bad. Why? There's nothing more dangerous in the world than an immature, carnal Christian who does not rightly understand and handle the word of God. God is begging us to grow up. God is begging us to mature, to have the mind of Christ. Uh, otherwise, we see all of the devastation that is done in the name of religion. Grow up, Christians. He's calling us and realize that Real faith embraces the rough times in a way that allows us to bring God glory and to do good in the world. So if there's nothing more dangerous in the world than an immature Christian, then there is nothing more powerful in the world than a mature, God-honoring uh, Christian who follows the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, when we truly follow Jesus... When, 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 we acknowledge, when we acknowledge that apart from him, we can do nothing, when we abandon this arrogant self-sufficiency, uh, then there is this hope for the world. Why? Because Jesus is hope. Um, so we live in the reality of that, well, suffering's not going to last because He's saying Jesus is going to come back. Now, you know, you go, well, he was saying that back then. Well, guess what? We're not just talking about the second coming of Jesus. Whenever a saint dies in Jesus, Jesus comes, gets them. He's coming to get them. Uh, and I'm getting closer that I age. If Jesus don't return back, you know, he's going to come get me. Hallelujah. But I live in the reality that suffering won't last. And, and, and by the way, uh, thank you for all of your prayers for our family. I've, got, I've received multiple texts and, you know, phone calls and said, oh, man, I'm so sorry to hear about you. You know, 
And, and, and obviously I'm not the one that's sick. Maybe a little in the head, but I'm not the one that's sick. But, but, but here, here's the deal. This isn't going to last. You know, it, it's not going to last. And, and God's grace is sufficient. And I claim that for every one of, of my family. And so uh, this is just another opportunity for us to trust and rely on God. And uh, to be stronger and better for it, because God never wastes a hurt. You're going to hear me say that again. So here's the deal. When you are done wrong, when you uh, are oppressed by arrogant, self-righteous living people uh, that treat you unjustly, just, just like they were experiencing in, in the book of James, when you do that, you go, well, listen, my God's grace is sufficient. And I'm still going to do what's right in God's eyes. So suffering won't last and justice will not stand. But here's another thing that I remember in rough times, problem times. Blessings are coming. Blessings are coming. Look, that's, look what he says here. Uh, and he says, uh, already he's talking about the farmer up there. Uh, and, and uh, how that's going to be this amazing uh, crop that comes. And then down there, um, he's saying uh, that the prophets uh, who spoke for the Lord, uh, they persevered and they were blessed. We consider them blessed. So he gives us three different examples, the farmers, the prophets, and, and then Job. Um, so um, as he's encouraging me and you to be be patient, be patient, you know, and we go, I don't want to pray about being patient because God will give me a reason to. No, he's saying, uh, I want you to be patient and here's how you do it. Well, you do it by remembering suffering's not going to last, remembering that injustice uh, will not stand and that blessings are coming. So he starts off right there with the farm. Be patient then, my brothers, until the Lord's come and see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. Now, let me give you a definition of patience. I'm gonna, actually, I'm going to give you two definitions of patience. One, uh, one is this, patience. When he's saying this is what, this is what we need to do as followers of Christ, bearing pains and trials without complaint, Mm. refraining from the enforcement of something that is due. Demanding. Let me give you another a practical working definition. Patience. Stay put and stand firm when you feel like running. I'm tired of this. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Stay put. Stand firm when you feel like running. So what he is doing is in that verse seven, he is comparing uh, suffering with rain. <laughs> you know, you think rain is good. We go, well, suffering's not good. Well, suffering does a good thing in us. And, and, and he says right here, uh, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. 
and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. Now the autumn rains soften the soil so he can till it up. The spring rains, you know, bring the increase on, on the vegetation and all that kind of good stuff. But here's, here's something that as we think about that definition of patience, stay put and stand firm. When you feel like running, uh, a heart that is not established, stay in put. A heart that is not established cannot bear fruit. We live in a culture where worldly wisdom says avoid suffering at all costs. Uh, suffering, and then and then the, the evil one lies to us and says this is a result of uh, some kind of bad thing in your life, you know, or because you've done wrong or evil. And, you know, that was the case <clears throat> that they had for Job. That's, that was the accusations of his friends, even his wife. And we'll look at that in just a minute. But he's saying, listen, I want you to understand the blessings will come. The blessing, that is God's promise. The blessings will come. And, and we'll see what, what those blessings are. Not always measured in the way the world measures blessings. But then he talks about the prophets. He says, brothers, <clears throat> verse 10, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. So what he's saying is this, set the prophets as an example. Don't set the rich and famous as an example. Like, look at their comfort. Look at their luxury. Look at what the American dream is. He says, as a follower of Christ, set the prophets as your example. Let them uh, be your model. Uh, people like Jeremiah, who spoke the truth of God, but experienced persecution and suffering. Ezekiel, Spoke the truth of God, but experienced persecution. Daniel spoke the truth of God, lived faithfully before God, but experienced persecution and suffering. And we in this day, in America specifically, we need to look at them. We need to learn from them so that we don't avoid conflict, that we don't avoid the truth, but we speak the truth in love. But then in each of these cases, though, blessings came. Not in an hour, not in an hour, but blessings came. And then he gives perhaps this ultimate example of, of, of suffering and uh, of injustice in, in the life of Job. And um, it's in Job that, uh, you know, we know the story of how, how rich and how blessed he was. And then because of something that Job wasn't aware of, this interchange between uh, God and Satan. See, Job didn't know behind the scenes what was going on. If we try to interpret the sufferings, uh, the problems that we have, just by what we can see or our reason, we're missing out. We're, 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 we're messing up. We're, we're operating by worldly wisdom and not godly wisdom. So we see that because of this interchange with God, and, 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 and Satan himself, it had nothing to do with Job's lifestyle. He didn't suffer. He didn't lose his family. He didn't lose all of his wealth. He didn't have a wife said, curse God, and then commit suicide. You know, uh, it, it didn't all happen because of something wrong he did. God had a, a, a bigger stake in this. And that is that the glory of God would be revealed through his faithfulness. He had real faith in a really, really rough time. 
And so if we want to, you know, comparison is always a bad deal. It either leads to pride or to depression. But if we want to compare, let's compare our lives to Job. Who remained faithful to God, even when he lost everything, even when his friends kept condemning him, uh, he continued to rely on God and do what was right in God's eyes. And then here's, here's what it says. Over here in, uh, excuse me, let's see, Job chapter 23, verse 10. Job 23, verse 10. Listen to this. You might want to jot this down. He said, but he's talking about God, but he knows the way that I take. When he tested me, I will come forth as gold. All right. Whatever it is that you're experiencing right now, whatever, whatever that is that you're experiencing, you know, Know this, God is using this to purge you of sin and to sanctify you and to bring you forth as gold. So as the farmer waiting on the rain, let the slow let the, the slow work of affliction and problems do its work. Let it do it. Galatians 6, 9 uh, reminds us and encourages us that, that, um, that we are, uh, not to grow weary in doing good for at the proper time, at the proper time that we shall see the fruit, that we will be blessed. Uh, God never wastes a hurt. So whatever that problem is right now that you're going through, whatever that difficulty, whatever that affliction, whatever that injustice, say, God, I entrust this to you. I, I, I'm giving this to you. Um, uh, so trust him. Don't, 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 don't bail because here's the deal. An impatient follower of Jesus is always a source of bad outcomes. When we are impatient, it always results in a bad deal, bad outcome. You think about those times when you've been impatient with God and you kind of plowed ahead. Think about it. Moses, because of his impatience, he was robbed of the promised land. Abraham, because of his impatience and not waiting and trusting in the Lord, uh, resulted in Ishmael, the enemy of the Jews. Peter, because of his impatience and his sense of justice, almost became a murderer. An impatient follower that is trusting some in the Lord, not Trusting fully in the Lord, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will uh, guide your path. But if we think about the opposite, you know, impatience is going to result in bad. It's not going to result in God's grace, his, his favor. It's not going to result in God's comfort and provision. It's, that's when we become that arrogant self-led, self-dependent, a world kind of Christian, but the one that is humbled before God is experiencing the outcomes of patience. Think about some of those outcomes of patience. When, when we're patient, when we're faithfully following the Lord, he, he cleanses us, he purges us of sin, he purifies us, he sanctifies us, he strengthens us. 
He gives us strength. He gives us more uh, grace upon grace. He, he lavishes his grace on us. When we are patient in, in our fellowship, he opens our eyes to see. We begin to function with godly wisdom and not with worldly wisdom. We stop doing this world thing. We stop doing the tit for tat. Uh, we live in the world as truly as followers of Christ. We are not conformed to the world, but we're transformed. He increases our faith when we patiently follow him in the midst of tribulation, affliction, troubles, persecution, and justice. When we're sick and tired of being sick and tired rather than trying to you know, conjure up a way to get out of it. We're we continually humble ourselves before God. Look, look at what uh, it says, Job 42. You might want to turn there with me now because this is Job's response. Job 42, I'm going to read verses one through six. Uh, it's just a powerful reminder. And I want you to see this as the outcome of being faithful followers who are patient, who persevere, who don't quit. Uh, whenever it gets tough. Verse one, then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. Let me ask you this. Do you know that God can do all things? Or whenever a problem comes, do you get frustrated? See, if you know that God can do all things, whenever this enters your life, you say, God, you're at work. I might not have chosen this for myself, but I am not shaken. I know you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You ask, <clears throat> who is it that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, I will speak. I will question you and you will answer me. My ears, listen, listen to this, verse five, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Wow. You want to know the outcome of patient endurance, of not just becoming impatient and just kind of going, all right, I'm going to go get some things to help me cope and, you know, just forget. No, no, no. You want to know the outcome? It's this full re revelation of himself. See, what he gives is himself. He said, I've heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. You want to see him? You want to experience him? You want to know him better and love him more? Then continue to wait patiently before the Lord. Continue to entrust. Stop, stop being the victim. You are the child of the king. You're not there. Stop acting. Stop going through a self-pity party. Stop. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. Um my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Wow, that's good. Thank you, Jesus. See, when life is tough. Life is rough. Things are tough. Uh, um, sickness, pain, death, uh, all the bad, e evil stuff that can happen. See, I can, I can, I can persevere with hope, with grace, whenever I. Remember, remember these things. Suffering won't last. 
injustice will not stand. Blessings will come. And number four, grumbling will not work. When I remember this, grumbling will not work. Look what he says there in uh, verse nine. And get back over to it. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. So he's saying, be patient, check out the farmers. Uh, and then he's talking a little bit later about the prophets and, and uh, Job. But, got, but right in the middle of it, he's saying, now don't grumble. Why? Why, why does he say this right there? Uh, because um, that's our number one tendency when problems come. That's, a, that's, that's just a knee-jerk reaction is we're going to blame somebody. If it wasn't for you, then I wouldn't be doing this. If it wasn't for the doctor, then my life, if it wasn't for that politician, then the world would be better. And we start grumbling. But he's saying grumbling don't work. Specifically in the body of Christ. Specifically. That, you're kind of taking God off his throne and saying circumstances are greater than God. He said, don't do it. Um, and we just need to remember this, that grumbling is one of the strongest, most effective tools of Satan to thwart what God's wanting to do in our life because it's a diversion. We get diverted. We go, yeah, it's a, rather than looking and saying, God, what do you want to do in my life? <coughs> what do you want to reveal? I've heard about you, but I want to see you. We are a grumbling group. We are a grumbling group in America. We are grumbling people. And he said, it don't work. Just so stop it. Just, just stop doing it. Um, it's, it's here that he is uh, in, encouraging us to, to, to remember that God is sovereign, that he is in control. And that his kingdom will come and his will will be done. That's my king. That's your king. And there's nothing that this world can throw at us that's going to subvert God's will. So don't grumble. All right. I remember that. Number five, we're making, we're making, woo, we're making some. Fast track. Okay. Jesus will sustain. Number five. Jesus will sustain. Look what he says there. Last, last sentence. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. He will sustain you. He's going to sustain the Dees family and this got the COVID bug. It, it ain't fun. Uh I'm, while I'm making some lemonade while I'm down here in Grady, I'd rather be up there because Felicia calls me. She says, come home, come home. And I'm going, no, you got the bug. You got the bug. I'm not coming. <laughs> so pray, you know, it's just like, ah. So I don't know. But, you know, Jesus is not always, one of my pastor friends says this. He said, Jesus is not always in the business of explaining but Jesus is always in the business of sustaining. He will sustain you. He will sustain me. And here's how he does it. Not just by giving us answers. You know, married couples, you know this. Mama, you're out there and you got, you got this problem and all that. And then your husband comes in 
and 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 all he wants to do is fix it and and that's not what you want you you just want somebody to wrap their arms around you and and all that and eventually you know we can get to the fix that'd be kind of nice what 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 god gives is himself he doesn't just give you an answer he gives himself we we see example after example through scripture to where he is the father to the fatherless he is the husband uh to the to the widow he 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 is uh all in all he is everything that we need and and as the good country preacher i heard years ago said you know god you'll never realize that god is all you need until he's all you got but one once he becomes all you've got and you'll realize he's all you've ever needed uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, many of you know that, raise your hand if you know who I'm talking about. She was, I think, she, I think uh, she, she's probably about uh, five or eight years older than I am, but I remember that was one of the first Christian books I read, and I was just like, bug out that whole time about her experience is I think it was a 17 year old diving into the water and breaking her neck, and, and she has lived the next 53 years as a paraplegic, 53 years. She had everything going for her, but she has made this statement. She said, I would rather be sitting in this chair knowing Jesus than standing on my feet without him. That's a powerful statement by a quadriplegic for 53 years. What is it that you need to say to Jesus, Lord Jesus, I'd rather be sitting in this mess with you than to be delivered without it. What is it that you've been complaining about? What is it that you've been angry about? What is it that has resulted in bitterness because of the injustice in your life? What is it that you need right now just to come and just kind of just surrender to Jesus and say, Jesus, I would rather be in this with you than to be standing without you. The way we bring glory to God and the way that we experience true purpose in life is whenever we, we come and, and, and we live by faith and not by sight. And it starts by number one, number one, recognizing that Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, Jesus is the life, and placing not our mind in, in him, but placing our full faith in him, denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following him. It starts first with a decision to turn from self-led living, self-dependent, self-arrogant -arrog selfishness, to abandon your life to Jesus and say, I'm trusting you for my salvation to be my Lord and Savior. And then as followers of Jesus, he's calling every one of us to grow. Say, Lord, forgive me of my being okay with being immature. Because your word says that, and history has shown that my immaturity is destructive, not only for me, not only for others, but for the world around me. Forgive me. 
And today I choose to place my trust and my faith in you. Real faith for this rough time. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for your amazing love and grace and the opportunity that we have just to, to again, to come together. Now, Jesus, ooh, you're calling on your church to stand up, to stand firm, to get deeply rooted, to be established in you and stop being tossed to and fro by the storms of this life. Be glorified in our decision today that you've placed in our hearts through your Holy Spirit and through your living word that we may be doers and not hearers only. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at CCC Roswell. Learn more and find ways to get plugged in at Crosspoint by visiting our website, crosspointonline.org. There, you could drop us a line or submit a prayer request. Like what you hear? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next week.